Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. So today we're actually going to start off before we get to our main topic with a question I am going to pose to the listeners. And if it's something that you'd like to respond to, you can find our email address on and a our Twitter handle on the description for the show. Uh, but so I, I opened up my Twitter account yesterday and Uncle Joe had released a tweet for something that I didn't really even realize was going on. And apparently Kellogg's is having a dispute with their union workers. And in the process of uh, the union workers striking and being unable to come to an agreement, uh, and I don't honestly know the whole story, uh, Kellogg's has apparently decided that they are going to... Uh, go ahead and permanently fire the strikers and hire p- other people to replace them, permanently replace the people who are on strike. And uh, good old Uncle Joe has decided that this should be illegal, um, that he's going to introduce legislation to defend the historic United States collective bargaining that was one of the foundations of our country. Um, it's quite a sort of a paraphrase, but that's kind of where he went with it. Uh, so here's my question to the listening audience. And uh, depending on responses, if we actually get any from the few of you who actually listen, um, is what are your thoughts on this? Because I have to admit, it's another one of the ones where I am torn. Uh, I agree with collective bargaining, even though my own personal experience with unions is rather poor. And my personal experience came down from the Teamsters. Um, With that said, if we are going to have the right on one end for collective bargaining, do we have the right on the other end if a bargain can't be met to continue doing business? Basically to say if you're if you're not willing to accept what it is that we would like to or we find to be fair to pay our employees and there are other people who will accept that we're going to hire them and move forward. Um, Should that be illegal? Uh, And I honestly don't know the answer to that question, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. And depending on some answers we get, we might make a show of it and have a discussion. With that said, we are moving on to part two of the World Happiness Report. Uh, Part one last uh, last week was primarily uh, a kind of a historic look at the World Happiness Report and the fact that consistently the Nordic countries seem to be happiest in the world and why. However, and I'm sure this won't come as a surprise to many of you, uh, this past year's World Happiness Report was almost purely, totally, and completely on the effects of COVID. Who'd have thought? But... As with a lot of things with COVID, it's left a lot of questions and a lot of things that just don't seem to add up. One of the things that adds up quite uh, perfectly is the simple fact that apparently loneliness is up. Once again, not exactly a surprise. Not in the slightest, actually. (laughs) I mean, 
okay, we're going to lock everyone in their houses for a year. And in some places, uh, especially in in other countries, but even in this country, in some places, you weren't even allowed to cohabitate with somebody who wasn't immediately relative or uh, immediately uh, related to you. Um, in England, I know that was specifically the way you weren't even allowed to have sex with somebody you didn't live with. <gasps> so, um, yeah, loneliness up. Uh, no. Um, I, it, it, duh. However, I will say this. It affected introverts like myself, none at all. Oh, I was perfectly fine with the whole idea. Oh, I don't have to interact with people? That I didn't is live awesome. Any, yeah, I didn't live hardly any different than I did before COVID. I was like, this is great. You know, everybody who wanted to meet me in person now wants to do stuff that is inside my comfort zone. This is great. I don't have any problem with it. Um, <laughs> other people, not so much. Um, well, Beyond loneliness, and there was another part to this that, and it actually goes a little bit more into the historical part, but I found it humorous because it's one of those ones where we, those of us who have listened to Sean for uh, on podcasts for several years hate doing, in which we have to admit that Sean was right. <laughs> there was a graph that I found absolutely hilarious because what the graph was was uh, trends over the past several years uh, splitting up happiness amongst the generations and basically split the generations between uh, boomers, um, Generation X, and millennials and everybody younger. My time has come. Now, the boomers were every bit on the top line of happiness. Of course they are. And the millennials were on the bottom line of happiness. But what's really hilarious is that if you actually looked at the peaks and valleys and arcs as time went on as to where their happiness lies, it was almost identical. And really, when you looked even further into the stats, what you found out is that if one of them was uh, happy about something, the other side was happy because they weren't being bothered by it. And then if the other side was pissed about something, the other side was simply pissed that the other side wouldn't stop whining. And it didn't matter which side. So but but their happiness was almost like tied to a string moving up and down together. And then the part that just made me roll on the floor and laugh and go, holy shit, Sean was right, was that Generation X was a straight line down between the two. Yep. <laughs> we, uh, we are the mediators between the millennials and the boomers. So it, it was basically documentable proof that Sean was correct. And, and I hated having to admit that, but <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, it's pretty easy to see, right? Cause the, either one, like the, the boomers look to, to Gen X and, and say, because they always have and say, do this and shut up about it. And we do because our souls have been crushed. And then they look at the millennials and say, do something. And the millennials are like, no, you've screwed up the planet and the society. Uh, we're not doing that. And this wasn't just here. This was worldwide. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that isn't just the United States. That's everywhere. And what we've collectively done as a species is we have one generation that has amassed massive wealth and power and influence. And, and all they took all the candy and all the balls and everything. And then 
sat on them and didn't distribute a damn thing. And expect everyone else to be happy about that. Now, Gen X has learned to say nothing because we got crushed in the 90s. And we've just sort of had to live with all of that. Well, and we, got the we were the apathy generation. We got, all, we got the aftermath of all the cocaine in the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, we just kind of were meant to to work and shut up about it. And, and we were the apathy generation. You know, like, we don't care. Obviously, nothing is going to work out well for us. And we've accepted that a long time ago. And that's just sort of how it is. So... When when it comes time, and it, there will be a time, a very short amount of time, but a time when the world looks to Gen X and says, what are you going to do? And we're going to go, oh, we don't have a plan. <laughs> if you're looking to us, all you guys are screwed. <laughs> so it'll basically be the societal version of, so we went for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to go, oh, you know. Because it's that's just how things work. Um, now, the millennials are going to have a plan. It's going to be a shitty plan, but it's going to be a plan because they've never been allowed anything correctly. They've never been uh, tossed any kind well, of bone at all or any kind of trust or anything. The best way to describe the way it's going to go is the millennials and, and Gen Z are going to be like the nerdy kids whose parents have left on vacation for the first time and that get to try and throw a house party for the first time. Oh, I think it's even going to it's it's going to be way worse than that, because the, the millennials are going to be the one throwing the house party. We're going to be the older sibling going, oh, this isn't a good idea. You, you you guys are gonna wreck the fucking house. This is this is bad, all right? Like you know, like this is like you've invited way too many people. It's gonna be horrible. There's no one like somebody's gonna call the cops on us, and that's just how it's kind of have to go because there's nothing else we can do as a society until the boomers let go of everything. And. I know that sounds weird and people rally against it and everybody's like, no, that's not how stuff is. But like we have graph evidence that says yes, it is. <laughs> but I, the, the thing that I have great, uh, hope about and hope for is that the millennials are a lot of things. Okay. And I have met some lazy millennials. I've met some entitled millennials and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I think they do well is learn from past mistakes because they've had to because they've made so many. So when we finally get there and the reins are turned over to the millennials, I have hope that they will actually be on top of that stuff and have some valuable things to say. Um, I, I agree with you, but I think there's one other piece of criteria that has to happen before that will function correctly. And that's unfortunately the boomers need to die off because as long as the boomers are still around for the millennials to blame, what you're saying is not going to occur. Oh yeah. And after the millennials are, or after the boomers are gone, they'll blame us. Even though we didn't do anything. Uh, well, um, actually, what I think we'll do is is we'll just be referred to as useless and brushed aside. Oh, no, of course. No, that's exactly what will happen. Uh, but, and that's so fine. Your old age homes will 
give you a piece of bread if you if we think you've earned it. Um, but we're going to take over now and just shut up and go away. I think that's largely accurate. Uh, there's there's really not a whole lot that that I think Gen X is going to contribute uh, because we can't. The boomers will last for probably the boomer reign will last for probably about another 15 to 20 years would be my guess. When, uh, because there's some, a lot of people don't rec- realize that there's some youngish boomers out there and that, that whole thing will last for about another 10 to 20 years. And then they'll all be either too old to care, dead or, or removed out of their positions. Now, when that happens, there's going to be a power vacuum as there always is. And Gen X is not going to rush into that because we're going to go, oh, man, whoever sits in that chair. So like the Iron Throne is a bad idea. Like you don't need to sit on that. <laughs> OK, everyone so who tries Daenerys should have stayed with what she conquered on the other side of the ocean. Oh, and just, man, everybody who tries dies. You know, <laughs> they tried and failed. They tried and died um, to quote a Bene Gesserit. Uh, it's it, it's not fun. And I, I think the millennials are up for it. I think they, at that point, they will be equal to the task. I truly believe that because they've been screwed over in every creative way the boomers have come up with. Um, that they will come up with some good plans. I truly think they will. Uh, it's just between now, it's just getting to that point is going to be horrifying. <laughs> well, to move forward with the whole, you know, how COVID has affected world happiness. Um, there's a couple of things that went on with the way the statistics were gathered that leave me with, shall we say, questions. Uh, the first one is the probably the least controversial of the different uh, concepts that I'm going to bring up. And the, it is the fact that most of the statistics and interviews were done by Gallup poll. Uh, mm, and yeah. it's not the fact that there is anything specifically wrong with the organization of Gallup poll. In fact, they are quite open as to how they get their statistics, um, what their interview process is, so that it can all be judged. The problem isn't Gallup poll. It's the people that are being interviewed. And that kind of has changed a lot, that even if you speak to a lot of political organizations and electoral groups, they're actually kind of leaning away from Gallup poll and starting to go through their own um, uh, focus groups instead where you can actually have long-form conversations with people versus just throwing a survey at them because people what they're finding out are just kind of kind of going down the survey and doing what we used to joke about with the SATs going C C C C C and we're not getting as valid of information from from polling as we used to what I don't believe it you mean the media's numbers are skewed? No, say it isn't so. Uh, but once again, I'm not blaming Gallup for this. You know, I, and and this is going to come as no surprise to anybody who's listened to more than one or two of these shows, uh, I have a complete and total distrust of mainstream media in general, the where they get their information, how they get their information, the media streams, the data streams, and and the the data in general has been a corrupted and I think b misrepresented largely and and I think part of the reason we're having this disconnect like part of the reason 
we flip flop on Republicans and Democrats, um, and and why I think this Demo- this this uh, election is going to swing Republican from the Democratic base that it was um, by as wide a margin as we've seen is simply because people understand intrinsically. They most of them can't put a finger on it, but they understand what we're doing now isn't working. Well, both sides suck. So when you get whichever side in, they suck, and so the other side wins. And then they suck, too, and it kind of goes back and forth. I I think I said it last week that we actually had, uh, (laughs) if you think about the last couple of presidential elections, uh, Hillary Clinton was so amazingly unlikable that we ended up with Donald Trump as a president of the United States. And then Donald Trump was even more unlikable to the point where everybody thought that a senile old fart who doesn't know what day of the week it is was actually a better idea. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, so really what it is is that both sides suck to the point where whichever side is in, everybody kind of goes, you want to see if the other side can do better this time? And, yeah, and what does that tell you about society? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean... Hmm. Um, I, I mean, they elected <laughs> a guy who's a shit burger or a shit sandwich today. <sighs> they elected a guy whose nickname in some circles is Jim Crow Joe. I don't know if you know how wait, bad wait, an wait, insult wait, 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 that wait a really is. Wait a minute. A guy named Jim Crow Joe was elected on an equity platform. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is how desperate the American people are. And I look, if you're a fan of Biden or not a fan of Biden and you think I agree with you, you're you're no like I hate most of our politicians. Like there's like one or two of them that I think are. eh. Uh, But other than that, he's not saying that about my candidate. No. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because our 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 options suck. Like I. And I try to explain this to people like the, the media that you've been listening to. And I don't care what it is. If it's mainstream media, Fox, MSNBC, uh, MSNBC. No, we don't you know. actually even encourage you to believe us. No. Do your research. <laughs> look for yourself. Just don't look at mainstream media when you do it because the people they bring on, the, the numbers they quote, the data that they quote are all A, skewed and B, Look at what CNN did. They're obviously lying. They had to fire Chris Cuomo because he was actually doing nefarious crap, trying to keep his brother out of jail and, and in and, power. And Don Lemon may be following right behind him. Oh, my God. You know, like, look at it. Look, these are the people you trusted to tell you what's going on and be in, quote unquote, impartial, at least on some kind of level. And if that's what you were expecting, you've been lied to and you're still being lied to. Don't trust the mainstream media. Go find other outlets. Go find things, you know, that and, and somebody asked me the other day, uh, what do you, you know, what do you recommend? Where do you go? You know, everything. just do your research. And if you find a place that doesn't make you happy or sad when they read the news, you know, or when they tell you what's going on, they're just giving you facts and you don't know how to feel about it. That's news. All right. If if it's sweeping emotion one way or the other, they're either you totally wholeheartedly agree with it or you totally wholeheartedly reject it and everything like that. That's sensationalism. That was meant to evoke that emotion. News properly delivered should tell you what's going on and leave it up to you to how to think about it. 
Well, that leads into one of the other parts about this. If you look at the quote, the World Happiness Report and you read the articles that were written along with the, the World Happiness Report, the actual studies that they verbalized with from the different um, acad academic uh, venues to that were published to go along with, you see, I'm just, English isn't even pay, working for me. Syntax, yeah, I'm doing so much better. Yeah. yeah. Let me try this one more time, people. If you were to look at the academic studies that went along with the information that was gathered for the World Happiness Report and you read them, you would think that the United States was maybe the seventh or eighth level of hell. Mm, However, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all the data and numbers brought us in at number 15 out of, I believe it was 180 countries. Yeah, not bad. No, no I mean, not once again, not awesome, but not bad. Definitely not the seventh layer of hell. No, no. Um, and, and there's people here who have migrated from the seventh layer of hell, and um, they're like, y'all are stupid. Y'all need to get on this stuff and figure well, out what's going on. That was actually something interesting, because uh, before I actually read the World Happiness Report, as I was doing some mental planning on what I thought it was going to be about, and I, as we discussed last time, I was wrong. I started to look around. Yeah, I know it's happened before. It'll happen again. <laughs> I started to look around me a little bit and realize that I actually work in a rather ethnically diverse field, which is medicine. Um, I would say that the greater portion of the physicians that I work with, and when I say greater portion, I'm talking at least 70% of them, were not actually born in the United States. Uh, and then when I looked even further, I found out that the greatest portion of them were either from Korea or Nigeria, uh, with some from India, uh, Japan, uh, the Middle East, uh, etc. But th those were the, the greatest ones. And I spoke to a couple of them just because, once again, I, I had had my preconceived notions as to where this was going to go and just started having conversations with them. I think the, the funniest one that I spoke to was a woman who was born in and grew up in East Berlin prior to the wall coming down. And the response was, and it was very, very German in the fact of how direct it was. Um, and I think I'm quoting this directly when I say, she said, uh, all of you people are idiots. You have no concept what oppression really is. Well, that's probably fair comment. <laughs> um, she would know. Okay. <laughs> she was East German before the wall fell. She would know. Yeah, and I and I find that humorous. You know, talking to people who've. Um, have family on the other side of uh, the, the Korean demilitarized zone. And once again, saying things very, very similar that you have people in the United States claiming that they're oppressed and they don't even know what oppression really is. That, that even what we think of as poverty here is, isn't comparable to, to what you find in, in some of these countries. No, that doesn't mean that poverty here is fun or uh, no, anything like and, that. And I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that, that we've got a lot of people who are uh, over-dramatizing their existence in life. Oh, that I'm sure of. So, uh, 
I mean, there's... And that's not pointing a finger at everyone. There are people in this world, in this country, who are having terrible times in their lives who need help. Where I'm pointing my finger at is is those who actually have the ability to help others and yet just want to stand up and scream and yell versus actually doing anything. Yeah. No, there's, there's a significant portion of those. Or want a virtue signal... Or, or any number of things. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of, I guess, signaling going on, on, on where people actually stand or what they actually stand for versus what it is they're actually doing about it. And, uh, we've really popularized that aspect in our current society. Now, you know, where's that going to take us? I have several theories, but, uh, you know, in the end, I, I think it's an unsustainable thing. And we're going to have to, when the pendulum swings back, and I always picture it as a pendulum, because it's it's something when, when a, a view, at least in this country right now, before society falls or, you know, Lord Humongous shows up in a giant dune buggy, um, before that happens we will snap back and when it does the further <laughs> the further it moved one way when it snaps back it's going to snap back hard so i'm wondering where the the clapback for this is going to come and and what in in what form it's going to take its shape in because i'm i'm not seeing it because we're still in mid swing right now as far as moving away from center so i i, I don't know how that's going to work but i can tell you it's unsustainable right now well, here comes the, 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 the final part, and where I think most of our discussion is going to go today, which is, I, once again, in the discussion of the effects of COVID and how countries have dealt with COVID, the uh, large portion of it that about how certain countries had apparently done extremely well with COVID being the Pacific countries, surprisingly enough. Uh, now we'll discuss whether or not the numbers actually bear that out or not. But um, most of this study came from a university in Shanghai, China. Um, it's an interesting place to come from, but okay. An, an interesting place to come from. And what most of it was talking about was how authoritarian countries had a much happier populace for covid because they were more able to let the government tell them how to handle covid really is is that is that what they're saying because i i got a different read on that which is well you know you've got a couple things first of all you've got um this was done by the world health organization which is primarily funded through you know beijing um and no i'm not going conspiracy theory here it was that was even stated in the world happiness report um, it was primarily Chinese scientists that are, excuse me, acad- academicians, um, who studied this portion of it. And the general consensus that came from this was if all of you people would shut up and just do what we told you to, you'd be happier. Uh, huh? Well, um, well, that may be true. Um, that's not exactly how life works either. 
Well, it's also being the fact that, you know, none of the honest to God numbers that are coming out of China have are verifiable in any way, shape or form. Hell, the numbers we have coming out of the U.S. as far as COVID is concerned are quite suspect in and of themselves. And even that is (laughs) and even just mentioning that is a controversial concept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's and and we've seen kind of that sort of thing from uh countries with that sort of authority going on is oh yes our people are all happy just ask them you know and they, they stare dead-eyed into a camera and go yes we're completely happy i mean look at north korea i mean that's they're they're so scared and brainwashed that they don't know what else to do um so i mean of course they're going to report that they're happy because that's what they've been told to report and that's what they've been told to think and do and be and if that's what you want I mean, yeah, you can make that system here. You sure can if that's what you want to do. But the worst part about it is is that it's not even specifically talking about here. The United Nations as a group is starting is um supporting a thing that says the world would be happier under authoritarian governments. Yeah, and that should bore you in and of itself. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if that's if that's what we've got to do to get that out of our system, because a lot of times you, you want what, what promises is, uh, you know, what promises you prosperity and safety and, and, and all that. And we've seen that people who don't know any better, which is a large significant portion of the populace, people who don't know history, people who don't know how that stuff tends to work or have been downtrodden or, or anything else, or the only guaranteed uh, happiness or, or prosperity that has ever been handed to them has been handed to them by some body of authority, be it government or, or whatever, why would you not place your, your faith and your, uh, your livelihoods in that? Because the free market system hasn't been doing you any favors either. It's a very predictable and enticing way to get people to do that sort of thing and i I, it works i mean we've seen historically it works every time i I think what i'm finding frightening more than anything else is the the speed in which this is altering the speed in which it's changing and the speed at which people are suddenly turning around and being willing to accept it um, we, we, ju- just literally a year ago, we, we were talking about, well, not a year ago, we were talking about, we were talking about the World Happiness Report from a year ago last week, and then it was saying something that I will admit that before reading it, I would have had a difficult time believing, which is that certain socialist co- countries that had very, very successful government programs were the happiest ones in the, in, in the world. The, but it's gone from that to authoritarian governments are much, much happier and you should just shut up and do as you're told. And here comes the best part about it is it's a blatant lie because the same people who are writing these uh, academic essays to go along with the with the World Happiness Report aren't looking at their own numbers because the same people who said that the United States was the seventh layer of hell and got it wrong because we're at number 15 are telling you that living in China is amazing and awesome and everybody's happy because they know their place in the world and they have a better culture and they're at the bottom of the world happiness report. 
Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so, so so really, what it is 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 you've got a concerted effort to fudge the truth. Well, that shouldn't be really a surprise from I, I, from what we're we've got going on. <laughs> it's it's not even the idea of fudging the truth, but being so blatant about it that they've got their own numbers that they collected and they published in front of them. And what they're writing is completely contradictory to their own numbers. Yeah, but what they they have to, they have to in order to, because if you don't keep us separated, pissed off and and tribing up then what naturally happens to a populace, no matter the country, is they look at their source of pain, find out what that is, and start rallying and, and consolidating support against that. So the easiest and the best way to get away with stealing a country's future its riches, its rights, its freedoms, or anything else it wants to steal if you're an authoritarian body is to keep the populace divided. Keep them fighting amongst each other against things that are not the real problem so that nothing is actually solvable. And if you do that, it's called destabilization. It's, you can read about it in any any book about how governments are overthrown or governments are sent into chaos or anything like that. If you want to destabilize a country or make sure a populace cannot fight back about against what you're doing, look at what they're doing to first world countries right now. And that's that's the playbook. It's it's a slow, it's insidious, and nobody sees it while it's happening. Actually, and I don't remember off the top of my head which number it was. It may have been number two, or actually number three or number four, but one of the podcasts that we put out actually at the end of it has a recording of an interview with a former KGB agent in the 80s basically talking about that was the Russian plan or the Soviet plan at the time. Yeah, yeah, and... Honestly, it works. It works. And if it feels familiar, some of the things that they're talking about in those types of scenarios, it should, because that's what's happening in our country right now. And you you have to be so careful. You really do. Um, now, as far as Gen X goes, it's too late for us. We're already invested. We're already we're not going like our generation is not going to change the world. It's just not uh, the best hope we have. Is for oh, our dude, children. I'm 47 too. years old. I'm happy if I have enough energy to change the sheets on my bed. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like we're just we would like to not die for long enough to get some form of socialized medicine or Social Security or something. And then, like, be able maybe to work less before we die. That is our entire plan as a generation. We because everything else has been stripped. We know we're not going to win. Okay, we're not going to win the the game of life. We're not going to win it. Okay, it's not it's not winnable from our, our our standpoint. And right now, and this is part of the problem, right now, it's not winnable from a millennials perspective either. The the thing that differs between us is they have the ability to change it and the time to change it. And they will have the opportunity to change it once the boomers die and we do not. Like that, that 
proposition will never be presented to us. It will for them. And I, and I guess, and this kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation, is whether or not you have faith that they're going to change it in a positive way. You know, say what you want about millennials, and, and I have. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, I, look, I love to make fun of everybody, and millennials do provide some material. It's not, I'm not saying they're they're you know, wickedly on top of things. They're not. They're screwed well, up just they like do, the rest of us. They like lob it in there from time to time for you. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> I mean, there's there's occasions, you know, and I think everybody can be, um, you know, you had sent me a thing the other day, and I'm like, I remember that from when they were talking about leaving the coffee shop during our generation, you know. Um, those, the, the lazy tag and the, you know, the entitled and all that kind of thing. I don't think entitled was ever shuttled at our generation, but the lazy thing sure as hell was. Uh, but the thing is, they do learn. Well, we were the generation who was told that they should feel happy to have a job. Yeah, and we kind of bought that a little bit um, because there was no option. Everyone else held the cards except us. We had nothing, and the difference between us and the millennials is we had nothing, and we had no way forward, and we just sort of went, okay, I guess I'll just get a job. I, I don't know, and that's just <laughs> what we did. T-minus uh, 14 years till my first nervous breakdown. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, we, we just we invested in antacids and, and swallowed our stress. Well, we, uh, we're also the definition of what is today called toxic masculinity, which is the idea of uh, shut up, do your job. It doesn't matter if it hurts. It doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you're about to fall over and die. You have a job, you do it. Shut up and do it. Die when you get home. Yeah, and that's just kind of what we we bought into uh, because that's what we that, that's what the only option we had as a generation. I'm not saying like everybody loves to point to what about this person? What about this person? Yeah, well, they ain't the norm. But the but you know? it, it, but it kind of comes back to your pendulum. The pendulum has swung very far in the opposite direction, which is rather than shut up and do your job, it's uh, shut up and pay me what I deserve. Yeah, uh, and we talked about this to some extent also last week which is the where you're finding and as we keep going back to the idea of a population being happy where people are happiest is where there's a good balance between that and i don't simply mean the balance of uh pay me what i'm worth or the balance of get your get your shit done but a concept of the, there's this amount of work that needs to be done in this amount of period of time uh, if you're going over it and having a poor life balance, why? And being willing to accept the answer, whether that answer is there's too much work to be done or the answer is you're too much of a lazy piece of shit. And being willing to actually have that conversation, we are not willing to have that conversation here. For our generation, it was the conversation of just shut up and do it. For the, for the millennial generation, it's just shut up and pay me. You know, I, I think that's that's closer to the truth than any of the either generation would like to admit. Uh, we're we have issues uh, that our generation is just not resolved. We just haven't. We haven't made it a priority. I don't think we're ever going to. We're too far gone. <laughs> Never mind about us. Uh, it's, it's it's to the point now, I think, in the generational struggle where it's like, look, you have to turn to the millennials and go, you guys are going to have to save yourselves because we can't help. We're screwed. 
Uh, we're just as screwed as you, only in di- a different way, and we have less time. So if you're going to have to, you know, if you're going to be lifted up, it's going to be you guys who does it. Uh, we can support you as much as we can, but it doesn't like it's uh, our time will never come. You know, we're being skipped over. So for for us, I mean, we we bought into too much of the world cannot change. Our generation bought into a lot of that um, just from the way that the previous generation was completely unchecked and unchallenged. It, 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 but we also reached a point where, you know, similar to those who were not ready to be taken out of the matrix, we uh, we're bought in enough to it that we don't want it to change. Well, it's not even that we don't want it to change. It's just that we see what's going to have to happen and we know we're the ones going to get wrecked. Right. Well, because the boomers have enough cash and capital and land and, and home safety and all that kind of stuff to weather it. The millennials have nothing and nothing to lose. Who's the only one who has something to lose and no way to replace it? That's uh, us. And, and I was going to be a little bit more. Uh, and uh, well, God, what is it with me in English today? I was going to go <laughs> a little bit more for analogy and basically say that the boomers are the devil we know. Well, in a way, yes, but I mean, like, if there's one good thing that that people understand, or, or if there's one thing that people intrinsically understand, is is this gonna work, right? If you can look at something and go, "Well, oh, that's not gonna work," right? <laughs> like you can you can tell, hey, okay? everybody's got that sense in the back of their head that, "Oh, this is bullshit. This is this is gonna be a problem." Like you know. Okay, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, without question, you know. Now, when when you have two two big groups of people like that, and I'm not just talking the United States, I mean globally, um, the boomers, as far as wealth and influence go, have all the toys. They have all of it, like nine, like the high 90s percentage of it belongs to the boomers um the the, like a tiny percent belongs to gen x but it's all we have and the millennials have nothing now who stands to lose the most and be hurt the most in that scenario it it ain't the millennials they don't have anything to begin with what are you gonna do kill us all yeah good luck you know, you're too old, you need somebody to do the work for you, screw you. You know, you're going to have to change. And then there's the boomers on the other side going, well, even if we lose half, we still have everything. So we don't really care how much this war costs us. I still like Heinlein's idea. All the boomers left the planet and created their own planet that was absolutely beautiful, that got other people to want to come there, but it wasn't until they got there that they realized that you had to be at a minimum of 75 years old to even vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's another thing. I mean, they're playing like at least in this country, they're trying to play games with with voting. Right. And, uh, you know, on some on on one side of it, they have 16 year olds should be able to vote. You know, and then the other side, they're like, you should have to show ID to to vote, you know, because they think there's a lot of voting fraud going on. And, and I think both are have merits and stuff. But I don't think a 16 year old knows anything about anything and should never be allowed to vote. Honestly, I don't think 18-year-olds should be allowed to vote either, but that's just my personal opinion. 
Uh, it means nothing and will amount to nothing. However, I was 18. I've seen 18 year olds and they don't know anything. Okay. They're easily swayed and largely stupid. I, I think the thought process on that one, and, and valid or not, and it kind of goes back to a lot of things that have been said before, is if you're going to take an 18-year-old and say you can, we're going to uh, go out and let you fight and possibly die, we ought to at least let you vote. We now, won't let see, you drink. We won't let you smoke anymore. But vote possibly. And see, that's where I think we should change some of that, too. I think... The if you're going to put the drinking age at 21, you need to put the military age at 21 and you need to put the voting age at 21. I think you to become a quote unquote full citizen needs to be the same age for absolutely all of it. And, uh, you know, if that's 21, so be it. And uh, did, did you watch what happens? Have you heard what they're doing in New Zealand as far as smoking is concerned? No. Uh, the generation that is being born now will never be allowed uh, tobacco products. <laughs> How's that going for them? Oh, oh no. well, the generation who uh, who's a lot who's being born now won't necessarily know what they were missing. Not to say that they were missing much, but I just find that is interesting. That rather than making it an age, they're going to make the age go further and further and further back as time goes on, so that this generation never has access to them. Yeah, it's not really going to work well. But, that, hey, you know what? Whatever. You know, because you're going to have some 70-year-old going, yeah, you better, you, you wish you knew what this felt like, don't you? You know, and it's just going to be some kind of weird tension between them. Although I think if, you know, smoking in general is probably a a, a large health factor. I mean, I, I mean, they've proven over and over and over that it takes years, years off your life. It makes the last ones you have shitty. So, I mean, uh, if you uh, had to pick one, I, smoking's bad. But. I'm, I'm, I'm not really one to talk, though. I don't smoke. I am a 300-pound man who drinks soda the way that a lot of people smoke. <laughs> I used to do that, and then I had kidney problems. Now I can't have caffeine, so it sucks balls. Uh, but, because I'm old. Uh, but, you know, the the issue for me is is not that we make decisions about who gets to vote and, and who doesn't or how we how we define a fully fledged member of our society. It's that we don't use a unilateral hand when we do that. Right? We try and pick and pull depending on which party or, or who we have in the Supreme Court well, that I, I think that's that part makes of the, it all I think that's weird. part of the fallacy that we unfortunately deal with in this country is is that we actually have a firm belief that there is a proper rule in morality for every situation out there and that we as a society should be able to figure that out. You know, I think in, in like 95% of the cases out there, that's probably true, but there's always those outliers. Well, the part that I left out of that is, is that it's not actually that we of a society are supposed to figure out which societies have been doing for themselves for, millennia that what we're our expectation is is that uncle joe's going to do it for us okay yeah now see there's our fallacy we're depending we're depending on a white knight and there isn't one right all we have is dastardly villains and prima donnas and uh, you know corporate greed and, and all the rest of the stuff are standing in for what would what should be 
you know, a, a meritocratous leader. And that is a problem, uh, you know, <laughs> widespread, inherent in what we now call our system. To their credit, every generation below us, Gen X, looks at that and goes, you know, that's bullshit, right? <laughs> like, they're looking at this going, that ain't even close to right. You know, I mean, they see it. They see the now they don't know what to do about it. And they have bad examples of actionable items that they're doing. But they at least see it and go, yeah, that's messed up. And they're I I I think where I get confused, though, is the propensity towards rather than trying to find the way to make the system work. There's more of a propensity at this point to simply throw it out and start over again. Honestly, I don't disagree with them on that. Maybe it's because of my education. I'm one of those people who actually does, you know, uh, deify the founding fathers. I think what they came up with was genius. And if we just kind of followed the process that it would work. And that's basically what's wrong these days is that we're not doing that anymore. Now, I know that my opinion is not a popular one these days. With that said, uh, you look at a lot of what's written down, and even though you can go back to saying, okay, these were a bunch of white men who said that all people were created evil equal except for anybody of any other race, religion, or gender or sex besides us. I get that, but I think if you read what they did and what they said and how they set it up to work, I think they knew that that would change over time, that things would change over time, and it was set up to flow with the times, and we're not allowing it to flow with the times. We're simply looking at it going, oh, fuck that. Well, they set it up. Uh, Well, let me address your point, and then I'm going to follow it up here, but... One, I, I do believe you're correct. They they set up a living, breathing organism of a uh, of a governmental system that they knew was a compromise at the time. But if you look back at what they did against the time and the mindset of the people at the time, this was a uh, an unbelievable achievement. They also set it up so that it could grow and change with the people, and and become more than it was at the time. And I think uh, for a little while it, it, it did. Now, of course, everybody will say uh, it was flawed from the beginning. It's flawed now. And, and that's true because it was created by people and people are flawed. However, oh, and, and I think that's kind of what I'm doing is I'm not as I'm not blaming the system. I'm blaming the people in it. And, and I think that's that's partially valid. In fact, probably more than partially valid. I think that's extremely valid. The the thing about it right now, though, is when you look at it, or at least when I look at what we have as a system currently in our country, when you look around and the da- the deck isn't stacked, the deck is unavailable to you. OK, that you can't touch any of the cards. OK, they just simply show you some cards and say, yeah, looks like your luck sucks and take your money. Okay, it's not that the deck is stacked. The deck is not even stacked. It's completely rigged and out of your control. So when they look at that and go, I don't see anything salvageable here, 
that's also valid because the way it works right now, there's no recourse for them. The only time we get attention from the ruling class is when they must, they are forced to deal with the actions. It's like an unruly child, right? The only, the only attention they get is when they screw something up. So let's screw something up. And I think that's really where we are as, as a country right now. Like if you look at, at, at things that citizens actually care about, regardless of their political affiliation, independent, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. You can take any of those three people and say, hey, do you think um, price control on necessary medications for people who are sick or older or have allergies or something like that should be controlled so that it doesn't have wild inflation on it? And we have some sort of set of rules for that so that it, it can't be done like that. Do you think that's a good idea? Universally, all three of those people will say yes, if they're a citizen, if they're part of the ruling class they will look to their party and the party will give them the the head shake no don't do that and that's what they do because they're controlled by different interests it's it's not the people i have a problem with uh, it's it's the party system and the party system is what makes all the rules they have all the money they are controlled by the money and the corporations largely rule them to get whatever they want this is a broken system and when you look at that and say, I think it's fucked, we can't fix it from here. I don't see any way forward from here. I kind of see their point because what could we do to fix it? There's no law that would ever run through the government like that. They'd never pass it. They haven't. You know, anytime you see change against I'll, I'll just pick one big pharma, for instance. Anytime you see something that would detrimentally harm their profits, even by a tenth of a percentage point, what's what happens? You know, they lobby against it. They find some some downtrodden group where this, you know, make up some kind of spin where it wouldn't work out and get the votes in in Congress or the Senate or whatever it is to kill it. Uh, you, you know, if I answer that, especially with the Dave, with the data about COVID and vaccines that is out, especially the stuff that's coming out right now uh, through a lot of Freedom of Information Act information coming out, I would sound like the worst conspiracy theorist on the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's to my mind, I can see how a large group of people, let's say a couple of generations worth of people can look at that and go, that's broken. I don't think it's fixable. And I think there could be an argument for them being correct. Now, what does that mean in logistical terms? Bad all the way around. It is the collapse of our country until we can build something up again. Because the only way I see to fix the system is to currently remove the bastards controlling it. And they will not let it go. It'll never be a peaceful transition. So I think it's either deal with the broken. Oh, shit. Hello, NSA. Sorry. I, we didn't mean that as in like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hi, NSA. Uh, it's either deal with the broken. Hey, if I get subpoenaed for the January 6th commission, I'm blaming you. <laughs> 
I'll show up. I'd love to have this on tape on, <laughs> on some kind of Congress thing. Sean, what do you think? Let me tell you about that. Just wear, uh, yeah, just, I just said wear, what just I wear said. A podcast T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. We'll get a podcast T-shirt. It'll be great. I'll have it tattooed on my forehead if I need to. You know, um, <laughs> gentlemansoapbox.com. Uh, you know, I, I know you, you can get it lasered off of me. It's fine. You know, I, we, we'll get some, it'll be fine. Uh, but the, I, I think you either have to, to accept the broken or you have to just totally, completely get rid of it. And the only way I know, or the only way I've ever seen historically to do that is to do it by force. And I'm not saying that's pretty or I want it to happen or anything like that. I'm just saying I've seen us work as a society, and I think that's the only way that happens. Uh, and I'll admit that scares me. It scares me enough that, we, as we were joking oh, about before, the, freaking the, should. the cast, yeah. that I have my uh, uh, non-perishable food and my ammo in the house. Um, I, I think that what worries me is I don't have enough faith in what comes after. I don't know. I'm training to be a gunsmith. I figure I'll make guns for the revolution. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. You know, I'll, I'll find a way through it. You know, I'm just hoping it does. It happens after I get the girls out of the house. That's, that's all I'm worried about. Like, I'll just make them a productive member of society and they can decide which team they're on. And then, and then I'll go make guns for the revolution. It's probably it's pretty much what I if what I'm figuring. If it comes down but... to those teams, I may be the first person my kid shoots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I got a shot one way or the other. I, I'm not sure which way it'll go. By the way, hi NSA. Uh, uh, I'm, well, I, I'm 90 percent sure that mine's the one that you know informs on me to the mob. <laughs> <laughs> she's the, she's the narc. <laughs> You know, and and I guess he the, the bad gender pronouns. Kill him, kill him, death, death to the unbelievers. Uh, I mean, and that's kind of what it is. I mean, there's there's a they're using masterfully so the 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 ruling class is using the media to keep us fighting each other and keep us stupid. And I truly believe that. And if you don't believe me, or if you like that can't happen. Go watch the news. Pick any channel. Go watch the news. And then go research those stories and find out how slanted they are. Find out what questions they're not asking. You know, uh, how did we get here? Who approved that? What, what, do they actually have that power or no? You know, oh, there's nothing we could do. That's literally your job. You know, um, <laughs> you know, like when they were questioning Hillary, well, why did you do something? Oh, my hands were tied. You know, it's like that's literally your job. Your job was created to fix this situation. What did you do? I don't know. You know, cash the check. You know, um, that's what happens. You know, I, I and and I I I know it's it's very conspiratorial to well, they, to say these type of things now, but and it, but it's it's strange because. Uh, and I don't care which side of any opinion you come down on. If you were to actually look at numbers these days, honest to God, published numbers, things that are dragged out by Freedom of Information Act, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on any of these things, 
how can you not be a conspiracy theorist on one side or the other? Yeah, right. And that's the thing. There's not really a lot of places to talk. Uh, there's not a lot of places to share ideas because it and this is this is something I try. I try to get across. I really do. If you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or something like that, I, I don't have any problem with that because all the people you meet who are not D.C. elites or, or governmental ruling class or something like that are actually perfectly lovely people. We may have disagreements. We may disagree largely about how we should fix things, but we all agree things are broken. This is is a sign that we're being manipulated outside of where the problem actually exists because we're on different sides of the fence of that kind of thing doesn't mean we don't agree that there's a problem so let's talk about the problem let's talk about why that's why that's upsetting to us all okay. maybe we can come to some kind of resolution okay let's talk about the problem i'm about to do something that just popped into my head and as we were going through this and i will call this what i jokingly refer to as a radical subject change without signaling all right, good, good, good. <laughs> Loving it. Digging but, but, it. But, but it is slightly relevant here. Uh, it, 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 does it, should it upset me as much as it does that now that my kid has been accepted to school, that I can find more information on their website on general neutral housing and um, emotional support animals than I can on a career placement? Yeah, that would upset me. Um <laughs> Let me let me give you a fine example of why it should upset you. Okay, <laughs> let me let me put gas on that particular fire for you, uh, as I'm sure you needed. Um, okay, so a little about me, and then I'm going to tell you where I'm going. Bear with me for just a minute. It's going to sound like I'm just telling some weird story or something well, like I, that. But as, as we put on other podcasts before, walk with me. There's there's a destination. Exactly. Walk with me. It's a journey. Um, so okay, I. In the late 90s, I uh, decided that I wanted to be some kind of professional artist, and I looked around for programs that might do that, and I couldn't find any. Well, as it turns out, the technology didn't exist at the time I was looking. This was 96. By 98, or no, uh, no, this was 95. By 97, the technology did exist. And there was a school, uh, it was an art school here in Dallas that developed a program, and they had just graduated their first class uh, the semester before. They had gone all the way through the two-year program to get an associate's degree in uh, multimedia, computer animation, and uh, computer development, uh, which is basically web programming and animation. And they had a, an entire program laid out. And my dad and I went down there to check it out. And my dad, I was asking stuff like, where's the computer lab? And, and you know, is that a model school? And why are chicks running around in their underwear? And, you know, like uh, normal teenage questions. Um, why does this floor smell so good? Oh, that's the culinary school. You know, it's it's five floors divided up into, you know, these things. And my dad's asking stuff like, do you have a placement program? And they're like, absolutely, we do. Uh, capped by a 
uh, internship and a job fair at the end where they'll have uh, one of their two classes at the end of the semester is called portfolio and they make a portfolio with their perspective uh, professions. And we have a large job fair where we invite close to 500 companies uh, to come and recruit our students of varying uh, degree plans and all that kind of thing. And your your son will definitely attend that should he be graduating and all that kind of thing. And uh, he can serve an internship. So at the time of graduation, he will have an internship and a uh, a strong portfolio if he doesn't get an internship or just uh, wants to attend the job fair to move him on his way to an entry level job in one of these uh, professions. And they had a list of professions that your degree plan uh, prepared you for. My father thought this was a great idea. So he's like, oh, it's an art technical school. I understand what this is. And as it turns out, he was correct. I went through the program and it was lovely. And I went to the job. I did not do an internship. I chose to graduate a little bit early and get to the job fair. And uh, as it turns out, I did get a job from that job fair. I had a job three days after graduation where I started my first professional corporate job and all was well. Now, Fast forward that sucker 20 some odd years on, and I was asked to go speak, uh, being an alumnus of this college, I was asked to go speak at one of their classes uh, as I had progressed in my career and was known a little bit in the area and all that kind of stuff and known to be an alumnus of the school. So they invited me around to give me the same tour that I had when I was a prospective student. And I looked around and And there weren't as many girls underwear. uh, No, no, no. They still had all that stuff. Um, But as a as a 40 something year old, not a teenager, uh, you look at it with a different eye. (laughs) Um, When you pull up it, it, you know, it doesn't immediately present itself that the school has changed a great deal. Right. Because you walk in the door and there's just a bunch of college kids hanging out, smoking, looking stressed out and all that kind of thing. And these this is fairly normal. Right. But when you go in, there's a safe space zone, which used to be half the cafeteria roped off for people who feel like life is too much. And then there is a quiet room, which you can reserve not for study. For being quiet because again too much and then um they have an entire office now in there uh where you can go and if you feel like going to class is oppressive to you for whatever reason you can go and get a pass from the administration that says class was too difficult for you to attend today and that you are not required to go to any of those lessons including tests by the way, you can do this for. And I'm like, the, the, you've, did, you, did you see what's going on here? And they're like, oh, no, 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 it's great. You know, the students like it a lot. I'm like, yo, I bet you the students do like it a lot. How much are they paying for this? I'm like, okay, well, uh, where's the portfolio kids? Oh, no, we don't have that class anymore. What do you mean you don't have a, Like they graduate with no portfolio? Like what, what, what do they show prospective employers? Well, that class was deemed too stressful. Because it had deadlines, and we don't like to encourage deadlines here anymore. What? What do you What do you mean you don't like to encourage deadlines? Oh no, no, we don't do that here anymore. That's 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 kids. You don't have to deal with that here because it's very 
um, the the stress of preparing for one of those portfolio classes, you know, we had a lot of kids who just said it was too much for them and they were just dropping out of it. So instead of putting that on the roster, we now have and I'm not kidding. This is a class college success class. I'm like, oh, do tell. And college success is all about how to present a positive uh, a feeling to your fellow classmates so that they do not feel oppressed or or stressed unduly. I'm like, yeah, I got to go. Uh, I don't think I'll be speaking here. I mean, that's how much this shit's changed. They had no job fair because that was stressful. They had no portfolio because – that was they had that had deadlines. They had all this stuff. They're trying to keep everything. I liken it to the same level as one of those playgrounds where everything's low and padded and it's all on soft cedar chips and stuff like that. And, you know, where are our playgrounds were steel beams embedded into cement. You know, if you fell, there were consequences. OK, um, these playgrounds, not so much. So these colleges, same difference. They did. The the art school I went to is no longer the art school I graduated from. They're not preparing you for a job. They're just there to take your money and make you feel better about it. So, yes, I would be very worried. <laughs> to bring that back around, I would be very worried. Yes, this bothered me. <laughs> and, and fuck you, you didn't help. <laughs> fuck you, you didn't help. I didn't promise to help. I promised to deliver truth, sir. Because, um, because I was, I was, uh, I have very fond memories of that school. That school taught me what it was like to to professionally deal with stress. Like we're going to assign you this assignment, and you better have it because that's what they're going to do in a job. The, the one thing that brings me to a point where. I, w I won't go so far as to say it doesn't worry me because it does, but gives me some level of hope is the same kids that took those classes are not terribly far away from being the employers. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Who took what classes? The, the, the classes in which there were no deadlines. Oh, <laughs> the, the, those those kids are not terribly far away from being the employers that were not terribly far away from. Uh, us showing up like a, in a reasonable time period with our work done and having the kid who is now our boss look at us and go, dude, you know, are, are you OK? This was really fast. I mean, it would have been cool. <laughs> Tomorrow would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't have that. See, I work for a boomer and um, no, <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> but but see what I'm saying is is that we we might might not I have hope in for especially for the kids who've been educated in that fashion that we're not terribly far away from those people being the ones in charge. Yeah, but I mean when you look at that, I mean you're right. I mean it's it's probably another ten fifteen years right before those those kids are hiring managers and mid level execs. And and stuff like that, and you've got Gen X on top of them going. Did did anyone do anything this week? Oh no, dude, uh, it's bad news. Um, everybody really wasn't feeling the vibe, so I just let everybody kind of take a week or so and just kind of really, uh, you know, relax. And maybe we'll lean into it next week. So uh, check back, right, right on, man. 
And that's it. That's all you're going to get. And we're going to be sitting there shrugging because we realize that we can't get anybody else to work. I mean, that not the fact that we can't get anybody else to work for us, but there isn't anybody else out there. That's the way it is. Oh, yeah. We're Gen X. We'll just make the best of a bad situation. We'll just be sitting there going, well, at least they didn't set anything on fire. That's good. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's what we've been trained to do. I guess we'll take another swing at it next week. What do you think, guys? You know, like, We've we've only had like there's never been a time where it's for our generation where we've been like, ah, things are going well. It's always been bad news. Can I can I get like a a wild ass guess, guesstimate, something of that nature as to when it's going to be done? You know, just 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 something to work with here. We are professionals at having bad news delivered to us. It happens all the time. It's not like we've never had. Like, oh, my God, this is the best news ever. That doesn't happen to us. Okay? It's always like, oh, yeah, bad. you didn't hear about Bob? Oh, yeah. Um, so he drove his car off a cliff. Oh, my God. No, that's not the bad news. He had the entire server hard drive system with him when he did it. And the car caught on fire. So, um, yeah, I think that's our news, right? I mean, it's it's never... It's never just a, a a thing that happened. It's it's like a series of bad events. <laughs> and we just learned to roll with it. All right, cool. Uh, so good news is is you know like it's it's sort of like the the old adage in in World War II, and I cannot remember what group it was, but you know the the sergeant comes to him and he's like, "Sir, we're surrounded on all sides. They have us totally encircled. We're screwed." And the lieutenant looks around and goes, "Excellent." We can attack in any direction. You know, like, like that's us. We're just, you just have to make good with whatever you can. Because there's never going to be any good news. All right? It's not, well, like, yeah, we're professionals but, 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 at handling the chaos. But, but as, as, I, as much as I know we're joking around here, we're talking about it. The next generation is going to go, excellent, get me a latte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll be, it won't be our problem. Right. They'll have surpassed us and we'll be working for them and they will expect less of us. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Because God knows we ain't going to be in charge. <laughs> it's not going to be our generation. Like, hey, guys, I think we got you figured out. No, that ain't us either. Like we're we're a lot of things. But leaders of humanity don't look to X for that. <laughs> OK. Like, we don't have that take charge chutzpah that it takes for that as a generation. That's just not our thing, man. Uh, I, I just don't – I don't think we're capable of it. It's not like I'm, I'm naysaying our entire generation, but I've seen our work, and um, it's not impressive. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, the millennials are out there, and at least they're trying to change things, okay? I'll give them credit for that. They're doing a really shitty job, and they're going about it completely the wrong way. But they're at least making some effort. <laughs> um, what effort have you seen our generation make? The answer is buckus. Okay. <laughs> Fuck all. We are not doing anything in that department. So um, I got to hand it to them. At least they're they're engaged. <laughs> it's even if it is backwards with their sword in the wrong hand and facing the wrong way on the horse, they are at least running into battle. And that's more than our generation has done. I wish I could argue with you. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to find something to argue, and I can't. <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, it's it's like, look, you know, you can hate them all you want to, but at least they're trying. You know, <laughs> they're they're fucking it up. But by the time they're our age, they might have enough of what not to do under their belt that they actually. Because if you put them, all, I really truly believe this. If you put all of the millennials and Gen Z behind them together in lockstep in some kind of direction that's not backwards or shooting themselves in the foot, the world will change. Now, and and, that, and we'll be in our 80s by then. Yeah. Oh no, clearly <laughs> we'll be going. Please don't hurt us. You know, like that'll be us, right? But if you get those two. In a good direction, I I think they can really do some good because they've got that. They're pissed. They're really pissed off, and they have initiative. All right, right now it's mostly for making TikTok videos, but once they get out of that phase, we're we're in for some change. That's all I'm saying. Well, with that, I think I I've, I. I Next week should be a rather at least fun topic versus doom and gloom. Maybe you you and I will probably turn it into doom and gloom. But uh, <laughs> next week we've got a fun topic. Uh, so we'll uh, cut off with the uh, World Happiness Report from here, and we'll see you next week. Woohoo!